All right, good morning. You may be seated. Welcome, welcome. Welcome to Church on the North Coast, everybody. Are you here? All right, I need to hear you today. It's a rainy day. I want to hear your voice. I know it's a, it's a gloomy day outside. Please wake up. If you don't wake up, I'm going to start jumping on chairs and waking you up. So that's just how I get down. <laughs> welcome, welcome. Hey, let's get ready to take this morning's tithe and offering. Amen. Can we do that? You know, this week at our office, um, we're, we had a lot of stuff going on just with like kids camp and getting out um, just days off, basically, in our office because we had a lot of stuff going on outside of the office. And so when we all came back this week, it was like, my goodness, the amount of just requests for benevolence, the amount of requests in petitions of people struggling that were received that had been stacking up because we weren't there was just overwhelming. It was overwhelming. People are saying, I'm on my last leg. My kids are hungry. We're about to lose our home. We're about to lose our car. We're about to lose everything. We don't have anywhere else to turn. It's over. And to see firsthand working in that office and see Request after request after request after request. Watching Megan and Pastor Troy just sit there and say, yes, we can do it. 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 Yes, we can feed that hungry family. Yes, we can pay for that car. Yes, we can pay for that house. Yes, we can fulfill the need. And that is in no small part because of the faithful giving of the people in this room. And so you have to understand that when you're giving, when you're tithing, when you're giving that 10%, when you're giving this up as an offering to the Lord, it isn't for some cool lights and an amazing worship experience. It reaches way further than that. It reaches way, way further than that. It reaches that family that had nothing this week, that was able to eat, that was able to keep their home. The family that was able to bring their church, they're sitting not in this campus, but another campus with their whole family today because they had a car. So understand that your sacrifice and your giving and your faithfulness in your giving is changing lives. And it's allowing this ministry to be the hands and feet of Jesus in a real tangible way. We're not up here just saying some make-believe fairy tale. It is a place where people can run and not only find resources, but also find the love of God. And so you are transforming lives. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for transforming lives. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your giving. I get to see it firsthand. And if any of you have volunteered at this church, you get to see it firsthand as well. You're truly being a blessing to this region. So thank you. And so today, I ask that as we get ready to give, you keep that in your heart and understand that we want to make this something that lasts. We want this to be sustainable. We want this to be a place that has continued to be known for not only the power of God, but the real life action of what God can do and what his people can do. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, so as we get ready to give our tithe and offering, I just, as you look at the screen, ways to give, envelope, mail, or drop off cash at PushPay. We do all of that good stuff. So as we get ready to give, I just ask that you hold your gift in your hand. If it's your phone, whatever it is, I know this is always awkward because mine's like set up on recurring, so I never have anything to hold up. But if you want to pretend that you're holding something up, you can. We're going to get ready to pray over this morning's tithe and offering. Jesus, I just pray that you will take this gift, God. You will take this offering, Lord. You will take this investment, Father, this sacrifice, and you will multiply it, God. Multiply it so that it can, t- can continue to be used, Father. It can continue to be used for your goodness and for your glory, God. We thank you for the opportunity to be your hands and feet, Lord. Help us to steward your presence well, Father. Help us to be humble servants of your kingdom, God. In all aspects of our life. In our finances, Father. In the way we treat one another, Jesus, I just ask that you will be evident in every area of our life. And as we give this gift today, I just ask that you will bless these givers, God. Bless them and show them the far reach that they are having by investing and giving. Please give them grace, God, for their faithfulness. Honor that gift, God. Honor that faithfulness, Lord. 
And we thank you in this, for this privilege and this honor to be able to worship you, and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. Hey, welcome to Church on the North Coast again. Yeah. As we take our tithe and offering, I'm going to get ready to give us a word today. I'm going to put my glasses on so that I can not mess up. Um, let me get my iPad open. Let's give it up for our worship team real quick as well. Because I was anointed. Don't ever want to ever want to look over that. Let's also give it up for David. He came up here, did those transitions. He killed it. Let's go. I know that wasn't that wasn't easy. It's not an easy thing coming up here in front of all y'all. You guys are beautiful. You look nice and all that, but it's still nerve-wracking. You know, you come up here like, oh man, I gotta talk about all this stuff. I don't want to mess up. There's a bunch of amazing pastors in the room today. There's a bunch of amazing elders that are just filled with the Holy Spirit. What if I say the wrong word? They're gonna look at me like, oh, why they got that? You know, <laughs> it's nerve-wracking. It can be scary. I know. I do transitions every Sunday almost, somewhere if not here. But <laughs> thank you for doing that, David. That was awesome. It's awesome to see the young people growing. So my name is Jeremiah. What's up, Pastor JB? I am our youth and young adults pastor here at church on the North Coast. You see some of my crazy kids on the screen right now at DSM. I primarily preach every single Thursday at our Discovery Student Ministries. Amen, yeah? Hey, look, if you have a 7th through 12th grader, if you have a 7th through 12th grader, they need to be a part of DSM. They need to be here. If you know a 7th through 12th grader, even if they aren't your kid, go get somebody else's kid and tell them about DSM. Like you have a nephew, a niece, a grandson, a granddaughter, whatever it is, invite them to DSM. Invite them to be a part. God is doing powerful things. He's using our students. As you just saw, he came up here and did those transitions flawlessly. You're going to see him again today at the end when we do our altar call. But God is using our students to spread the gospel. He's empowering a generation, and that is something that we're doing every single Thursday right here at this campus. So please get your students here. This message, this entire service is an ad for Discovery Student Ministries. So if at the end of this service you're like, oh, that wasn't very good, then it's like, okay, whatever. But if you were inspired, if you were touched, if you're like, oh man, God's moving, this is what happens every single Thursday. So welcome to DSM, welcome to Church on the North Coast. You can give me my first slide. We are going to talk today about the book of Daniel. Everyone say Daniel. Daniel. Amen. All right, let me pray real quick. Jesus, thank you for being in the room today. Thank you that your spirit is here with us. I just pray that you are opening up the hearts and minds of every person sitting here today, God. I pray that today we will receive the perspective of heaven, God. Amen. That's our heart's cry right now in this moment is the perspective of heaven, God. Lord, we ask that you will just open our eyes, open our ears. We want to see like you. We want to hear like you, God. I pray that this word will go forth and it will go from heaven down to your people right now. In Jesus' name, to the people watching, to the people in this room, God, that it is filling the hearts and minds and that it will be applicable to every step of their life and that keys will be given today to unlock your favor, Jesus. I thank you for this opportunity to minister less of me and more of you right now in this in this moment, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. So, today, I get this opportunity to preach. I've never preached on a Sunday before. This is it. This is the first time, hey. <laughs> Let's go. So, I've done Wednesdays. I do Thursdays every week, basically. And y'all see me up here for like 30 minutes a Sunday doing transitions, offering, opening, prayer, like all that good stuff. So when I said that to a lot of people, like, you ain't preached before? Like, no, I ain't preached before. I just do the really hard part at the beginning when you got to go from prayer to telling people about a movie night and then taking an offering and then bringing up this amazing pastor that has killed giants in the spirit. Like, that's the hard stuff, right? <laughs> and so now I get to preach to you. I'm so excited to be here today. Today, my message is about the book of Daniel. We're going to have some healthy food today. Some vegetables today, all right? Is that okay? Everybody cool with vegetables today? I can hear you. Yeah. Some people are like, mm. <laughs> we need some vegetables. Listen, I love a message where you come in and it's cake and ice cream, but that's not on the menu today. 
Okay, no cake and ice cream today in this message. It's going to be a lot of vegetables, a lot of truth, a lot of power, but I want you to leave empowered. I also want to give the disclaimer that when I'm preaching, I'm preaching from a place of love. If you feel conviction, if you feel indicted, it's not personal. If the Holy Spirit is correcting you, correction from the world's perspective is bad. We think of correction and discipline as like, oh, you're in trouble for something. But what the truth is, is that the Holy Spirit, when he corrects you, when he disciplines you, when he speaks to you, the reason you're hearing his voice is because he loves you. It's because he doesn't want you to touch that hot stove. He wants to give you direction. So you have the choice today as you hear these words to say, okay, either I'm going to be mad and I'm still going to keep doing what I'm doing and touch that hot stove and I'm going to use the world's perspective or I'm going to have the perspective of heaven and allow that correction and that discipline to shape me. I'm going to allow it to change my life. I'm going to allow these words to transform the way I think. That's what you want, right? Is that what you want? Amen? Okay. Just want to make sure. I don't got everybody. I'll hopefully get y'all by the end. That's okay. (laughs) I just want to give a disclaimer. I keep things... Very, very just. I'm a very just person. You know, I see things as black and white. And I'm not saying that because I'm mixed. But (laughs) I see things. (laughs) I see things as very black and white. It's right or it's wrong. Yes or no. That's how I like to see things. I ask the Holy Spirit to give me that discernment. (laughs) Some one or one or the other. Only time it works is when you look at somebody like me and say, wow, that's a great looking person right there. That's... <laughs> so at the beginning of the book of Daniel, we see King Nebuchadnezzar. He's a conqueror. King Nebuchadnezzar is a conqueror. And at the beginning of Daniel, he takes over Judah and they take the city of Jerusalem. And he's the king of Babylon, which Babylon extended across many nations. So he was the king over all of them. And when he took Jerusalem, he asked that four men, young men, four boys from the noble families of Jerusalem be brought into his court to be trained and to work as servants for the kingdom. So he was diversifying the type of influence that were in the kingdom because he had to rule many nations, right? So in King Nebuchadnezzar's mind, it would be smart to grab some of the greatest and the brightest from each nation to be able to serve so that they can create relations with all of them and he can rule them properly. So he was smart. He grabbed the four best from the noble families that he could find. And he said, they have to come into my courts and they have to be trained. Their names were Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, and Daniel. (laughs) He brought them in and he said, they need to be trained. They need to be taught. And they began to be trained, and they began to be taught in the ways of the king. They began to be taught in the ways that King Nebuchadnezzar wanted them to learn. And as they went through their training, they were offered food from the king's table. They were offered the best food that the king ate. So this was a very high honor. So any servant that was in the palace, anybody who worked under the king, if you were offered food from the king's table to their world, this was the the highest honor you could get, right? You know you're eating the top of the top. They got steak and lobster up there. Most of the servants are over here eating McDonald's. Like, he's getting the good stuff, right? And they they offered, they offered these boys that food, and they said, no. They said, we don't want it. Church, before we go on, I just want to remind you that you are not from here. You may live in this world, you may live under the rule of a king of this world, you may be in a country, you may be in a state, a city, a group, whatever it is, but you're not from here. This is your temporary home. This isn't where you belong, this isn't where you're ending, this isn't the end of your book, this isn't the end of your journey. You are here for such a time as this, and when this time is over, you will go home to be with your father. And that's where you are from. You understand? That is where you are from. And just like these boys that were brought in, they knew where they were from. When they were brought in, they were taught, they were given this training, they were given all these teachings, and they were even given new names. Three of them you probably know well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We hear those ones a lot. 
But you know the one we don't hear a lot is Daniel's. Because even though King Nebuchadnezzar chose to call Daniel by a different name, Daniel said, that's not my name. If you read through the book of Daniel, it references him one time by his Babylon name. And it's the king saying it, and that's it. And in it, it says, Daniel, who the king referred to as this. It doesn't say Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It says Daniel, who the king called this, but who knew who he was and didn't change his name. He knew he wasn't from there. He knew he wasn't of Babylon. Church, know your name. That's not one of my points today, but know your name. You have to know your name. Because we can't get through any more of this story if you don't know your name. Daniel knew his name from the beginning. He said, you can call me that, the world, okay, go ahead. King of this world, call me what you want, but I know who I am. I know my name is Daniel. The other three didn't do that. The other three said, oh, Shadrach, Meshach, but that's me. No, I'm Daniel. They were offered food from the king's table. And they said, no, thank you. Please, we don't want that. Good. We don't want to eat those things. We're not of this world. We're not from this kingdom. We don't want to eat the food from the king's table. Give us vegetables. Give us water. Church, that's our heart's cry today. God, give us vegetables. Give us water. We don't want to eat the food from the table of the king of this world. Give us vegetables. Give us water. Give us your life. Give us your word. Give us the truth. Give us what is found in this book every single day. We don't want to eat from the things that look good in this world. We want to eat from this every single day. And it said that they had favor with the guard that was over them. Daniel had favor with the guard that was, you know, responsible for these boys learning and training. And it says that the guard was like, okay, look, I love you guys. You guys are awesome. But if I'm not feeding you this steak from the king's table and y'all come in there looking all scrawny like you're about to die, then I'm going to get my head chopped off because I'm not doing my job. And so he pleaded with Daniel, like, can y'all please just, just eat a little bit of steak? Right? It's like watching Masi eat dinner. Can you just eat a little bit of, of you know, can you just not eat ketchup and, and french fries? Like, just a little bit of chicken. Not, not all the time beans and french fries. Like, so the, <laughs> the guard asked him, he said, can you please just eat a little bit? And Daniel stood strong. He said, no. He said, no. Give us vegetables, give us water, and in 10 days see what happens. And it says that as they ate the vegetables, as they ate the water, they became stronger. They became sharper. It says that in matters of wisdom, in matters of understanding, it says it in the word, it says ten, they were 10 times better and 10 times smarter in every matter of wisdom and understanding. Their discipline made them sharper. Hebrews 12.1, it says for the moment all discipline, uh-oh, Lost my, lost my mic, lost my mic. I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Okay, here, you see that? Good, can y'all hear me? Sorry, got, got a little too handsy. Okay, <laughs> it says, For the moment all discipline seems painful rather, rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Wow. For the moment all discipline seems painful, seems like it hurts. We know every single person who's ever practiced for anything or trained for anything, or an athlete, a scholar, whatever you do, you've practiced. And practice isn't fun, right? We know Allen Iverson, we're talking about practice. That's boring. Nobody wants to practice discipline, but it yields the peaceful fruit to those who have been trained by it. And that is the goal today, church. Put my last one up. Don't eat the food. Everybody say, don't eat the food. Don't eat the food of this world. The food of this world is not for you. The food of this world was not created for you to consume. You can look at it. You can see how bright and how well they package it, how much it looks great, but it is not for you to eat. That is step one is don't eat the food. Don't eat the food. Because the food of this world will have you talking like them, have you thinking like them. Have you acting like them? Gossiping about one another. Being hateful. Walking around angry. Holding on to resentment. The food of this world is going to dull you. It's going to confuse you. 
believing in things that are not in this work. And what the food of this world does, it has you fighting for your own bondage. Because what they do is they take these things that are going to kill you, that are going to addict you, that are going to put you into slavery, and they package it as freedom and joy. They say, this is amazing. You need this. You need to hold on to this. You need to hold on to that depression, that anger, that anxiety, that this, this dysfunction, that, that area of your life that you're not okay, you need to hold on to it. That's who you are. That's what shapes you. That's what rules you. If it brings you joy, you should do it. It's the most demonic thing to ever say. If it brings you joy, you should go for it. If gossip brings you joy, you should do it. You should eat that thing. You should drink that thing. Watch that porn. Do that stuff that is going to kill your soul internally. But you're free. If it serves you, do it. That's the new one. If it serves you. This relationship isn't serving me, so I got to get out of here. That is the most anti-Christ thing you could possibly say. We were put on this earth and given the example of Jesus that we are supposed to serve everyone. The food of this world is going to confuse you. It'll have you chasing after your own bondage. Because you can choose to be trained by discipline. Or you can choose to be trained by pleasure. And if the only thing that you're doing is chasing, making yourself feel good, you're going to become a slave to your own desires and you'll be in bondage. It's the truth. That's the vegetables. If the only thing you know how to do is chase making yourself feel good, you're going to keep chasing it, and you're going to need more, and you're going to need more, and you're going to need more, and you're going to get to a place where you're looking around and you said, how did I get here? I wasn't trained by discipline. I wasn't trained by looking at the things of this world and saying, I don't care what you make it look like, how good you make it smell, I'm not eating it. Give me my vegetables and water. I want to be sharp. It sucks to see Christians that are sharp. When I see it, I'm like, oh, y'all been eating the food of this world. Christians on Instagram fighting for the right to kill babies. Calling it freedom. Especially the ones that are my color. Calling it freedom. Walking around with a Trump hat or a Biden mask. Stop eating the food of this world. Exalting some king of this world. They don't care about you. It's nasty and it's sad and it breaks my heart to see it. Getting on Facebook, fighting with each other. For all the young people, that, you don't know what that means. You haven't seen it. But I see y'all. <laughs> I see y'all on there doing that stuff. That's like me trying to use a payphone. I have no idea what. what <laughs> It'd be like, you get one call to save your life. Use that phone. I'd be like, oh, no. <laughs> Some of y'all are looking at me like, what? <laughs> Facebook is, is like my payphone for them. They, you know, they know how to use all of it. But I see y'all getting mean with each other on Facebook. Don't do that. Stop eating the food of this world. Stop it. So as it went, the boys became smarter. They became sharper. They were wise. It said God gave them favor and understanding and being able to interpret dreams, being able to read many languages, being able to understand different dialects. It said God gave them favor because they remained steadfast. And as the story goes, King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. And in that dream, he was shook. The spirit hit him. God hit him with something that he couldn't get out of his soul. And he said, I need answers. I need the truth. In church, right now, this world needs the truth. This world feels a pull 
This world feels a conviction. This world, this generation has a pull on their soul right now that is stronger than any other time in the world. That's why you see so much confusion. That's why you see so many backwards things because they feel the conviction of the Lord. They feel the pull of the Holy Spirit because they know that these days are numbered. They don't know it in their mind, but they feel it in their soul. Like when you see birds flying away from a storm because it's about to get crazy. This earth is crying out and groaning for truth. They are groaning for truth. And if we aren't eating the food of heaven, we won't be able to provide it. It said King Nebuchadnezzar called on all of his enchanters, his wise men, his wizards, his magicians, all the people that are supposed to know how things are going down, the ones that read the stars, the one that put crystals up in their room, the ones that do yoga every single week and replace God's word with it, the ones that... oh. (laughs) <laughs> I saw we eating vegetables today. <laughs> this might be my last Sunday. <laughs> if so, we're going to go out. I'm going to give you the vegetables. I don't care. I know he's cool with it. <laughs> I know God's cool with it too, so I ain't worried about it. Listen, he called upon those wise men of the world standards. And they couldn't give him the answer. He said, I want you not only to interpret my dream, but I want you to tell me my dream. What is the dream? And then interpret it for me. And they said, King, no man can do that. There's no one on this earth who can do what you're asking for. And so you know what Nebuchadnezzar said? He said, kill him. Get rid of him. Kill him. And one by one, the guards went and killed them. Killed the enchanters. Killed the magicians. Killed the wise men. And then they got to Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they said, give us one night. And those boys get into a room, and they cried out to heaven. They said, Lord, give us the answers. Tell us what to say. And church, this is the posture of our hearts. When you face confusion, when you face opposition, when you face struggle, go before the Lord and say, give me the answers. I preach here every Thursday and I face some things that I've never heard anyone say before that some of these teens say that they go through or they're considering or they're thinking about us. God, give me the answers. I don't know how to deal with that. We've never seen this before. Give me the answers. They're hungry. And it says that they went before Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel not only told him the dream, but he interpreted it for him. And as he interpreted it for him, Nebuchadnezzar just began to weep. And it wasn't good news. It wasn't good news that he gave him. But it was the truth. And the truth was strong enough for Nebuchadnezzar to say, you know what? Your God is the real deal. Stand up. You are now in my favor. I'm putting you over Babylon, the province of Babylon in this area. You are going to rule over it under me. And Daniel turned around and said, okay, well, what about my boys? Can they be a part of it too? And and he was like, yeah, for sure. Daniel's a real one. If you got friends, bring your friends with you too. I'm going to bring my people that I minister with up here at the end of this service. But you bring your homies with you when you get your shot. That's how you get down. That's how we do it. So, (laughs) So they put Daniel in this position of power. They put Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in this position of power. They sent them out into the land. Daniel remained in the temple. But as they grew and as they began to progress in these positions, people started to hate. Anybody got some haters in here? Everybody got some haters, right? You know what I've learned and learned to love about haters is that, you know, and the Holy Spirit gave me this. He said, you know, people that are haters are really just people that are filled with so much perverted love for you. That's really all it is. They care about where you're going. They care about what you're doing. (laughs) They care about what you're saying. (laughs) They want to see you win. They want to see you fail. They want to see it all. And they always got something to say, right? The Holy Spirit gave me this perspective. Like, if you can just get past that nasty spirit they're entertaining and get that out of the way, they might be the greatest friend you'll ever have. 
because they truly care about you. Them haters care more about you than the people that care about you, right? They watching. <laughs> it's like, man, if I can just get that nasty spirit off of you, like, you'd be my biggest fan. <laughs> I know I could count on you. <laughs> you there for me every time I fall, like, man, if I could just get you to turn your heart around, you'd be there for everything. <laughs> Never have to ask for a kid's church volunteer again. <laughs> so you'll support. <laughs> but the haters begin to move. <laughs> I'll be making myself laugh. If you don't make yourself laugh, you're living a sad life. Man. <laughs> so the king's wise, other wise men from the different countries, they began to plot on the guys. They began to plot on them. And they knew they couldn't get Daniel because Daniel was in too close proximity with the king. At first, King Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel were pretty tight. He continued to interpret dreams for him. He continued to give him wisdom from heaven. And so they didn't go for Daniel at first. But what they did was they got Nebuchadnezzar to write in law that there would be gold statues put up in his honor. And that whenever you heard music playing, whenever you heard music playing, whoever you were, whatever religion, whatever race you were in the kingdom of Babylon, you would bow down and you would worship these golden statues. So they put this into law because they knew that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not honor this law. They knew who they were. But they knew if they could get this to be in law, that they would twist and be able to put them in harm's way. And they said that if you don't do this, you'll be thrown into a fiery furnace. My next point is don't worship idols. Church say, don't worship idols. In Romans 12, 2, it says, sorry, it says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We have to stop worshiping idols. When I read that verse, it said, when you hear the music start to play, bow down. It just made me think so strongly how many times we hear the music play in our society and how many times we hear the sound and feel that call from this world and bow down to it. Maybe it's yourself. Maybe it's your personal self that you're idolizing and you're worshiping. I'm tired. I don't feel like it. I want to be happy. I deserve rest. I want to do what I want to do. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to volunteer. I don't want to give my money to this thing that's helping people. I don't have time. It's all about me. Maybe it's possessions. I'm going to work my butt off and only focus on making money so I can get to that thing. I'll put everything before God to get to the things that I want. These temporary things. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe there's a social status that you're trying to uphold, this image that you're trying to do. All my friends think I'm great. I look awesome. I post really cool pictures. Not worried about coming up in here, eating vegetables. I'm worried about this. And for parents, maybe it's your kids. And I'm not saying it's the parents in here, actually. I had a family come in here. I love you guys. They said they missed baseball to be here today. They said we're not putting anything before God. But I see it every single week. Every Thursday we come in here, and there's families missing. There's kids from good families. There's kids from my family, from the lineage of Dr. Lewis F. K. It's in that are teenagers that aren't sitting in these rows on Thursdays. And it breaks my heart. There's parents that come up to me on Thursday and say, uh, my kid's saying they're pansexual and I don't know what to do. My kid said they're identifying as a cat and I don't know what to do. And it sounds hilarious. It, it, in my back of my mind, I was laughing, but then I said, oh my God. I said, who's your kid? They said, oh, you've never met them before because they don't come on Thursdays. Why aren't they here? So, well, I have them in baseball, basketball, soccer, um, tennis team, uh, a choir rehearsal, drama club. They're in four different training sessions on that night, so they can't make it on Thursdays. But please, can you help them? I 
say, you got a lot of idols in between you and where they need to be. And you're listening to a lot of pressure from society telling you that if you don't do these things for your kids, if you don't put your kids on a pedestal that makes them the God of your life, rather than giving them the vegetables, you are setting them up to be in bondage. And congratulations, parents, you spent $10,000 on your kid to get a partial scholarship to a Division II school with an addictive lifestyle to porn and any other drug that they have been exposed to without knowing one word of God's word and who they are and that their name is Daniel. Hooray, right? And I'm not, the, I'm not an anti-sports guy. I love sports. I, I actually don't really like people who don't play sports because I think there's a lot of lessons that you have to learn you have to know how to work super hard at something and fail. I think there's a value in that. There's a value in learning that perseverance that you might give it your all, you might train your butt off, and you still might lose. There's a value in that. But I'll never forget in eighth grade when my mom walked up to my head football coach and said, you see him? I was the same size as I am now. <laughs> and she said... <laughs> He could be a great asset for your football team. And the coach's eyes were bright, right? Like, oh, yeah, he could. What's up? <laughs> so he could be a great asset to this team. But he won't be missing youth group. He will never miss a Sunday service. He'll never miss a youth retreat. He will never miss our Joshua Kids camp. He will not miss one thing. He said he is in your world, but he is not of your world. He's going to come into here and he will change the atmosphere because his name is Daniel. His name is Daniel. And I'm not sacrificing that for anything. I had an amazing football career. Finished with seven Division I scholarship offers. Didn't miss a, a Wednesday DSM service. Didn't miss a Sunday service. Didn't miss a Joshua Kids camp. It's possible. Went to a Division I college. It's possible. Stop worshiping idols. Setting people up for bondage, man. It, I hate it. I hate seeing that on Thursdays. That's my, the biggest heartbreaker for me because we'll have amazing Thursday services. Now I look over and I say, where were you? Where was your teen at? Where was my cousin at? Stop worshiping idols. As the story goes, like the haters knew, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not going to worship that idol. So they came to the king, and he said, Nebuchadnezzar, those boys ain't worshiping. We, we have to report it to you. They, they're spitting on your name. Like, they're disrespecting you. You know, they're gassing him up, trying to get him angry. He said, bring them to me. <laughs> so the boys came before Nebuchadnezzar, and they said, he said, why aren't you you know, bowing down and worshiping to the idols when you hear the music. Did you not understand the law? You guys were trained in my court. You understand 10 different languages. I know you understood when I wrote in 10 different languages that when you hear the music, you are supposed to worship. And the boys said, nah, we're not doing it. We're not going to do it. Sorry. Not going to happen. And Nebuchadnezzar got angry, filled with anger, filled with rage. He ordered for the furnace to be turned up seven times hotter than it normally was. And I want to read it from the book because the way that they responded, man, <laughs> is the way that we should respond. They turned, he turned it up seven times hotter and he said, I'll give you one more chance to worship this idol. And they turned to the king and this is what they said. They said, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. They were respectful. But even if he does not, even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your God 
or worship the image of gold you have set up. Even if he doesn't. (laughs) Even if I'm not popular. Even if the people around me think I'm crazy. Even if my kid thinks I'm mean for putting them in DSM on Thursdays. Even if it's not cool to be up in here giving my money to the church, even if I feel all the pressure of the world coming in on me and everybody says the worst things about me, even so, I will not bow down. And I will not worship idols. They didn't conform. And as it goes on, it says that Nebuchadnezzar grabbed four of his strongest soldiers to bind the boys up, threw them into the furnace. It says the furnace was so hot that it killed the soldiers. It was so hot that it killed the soldiers. And as they sat in there roasting that he thought, they were sitting there getting incinerated, he took a look and he said, wait a minute. He called his advisors over. He said, how many people did you throw in there? They said, three. He said, no, you didn't. There's four people in there. And he said, look again, look again, look again. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Who's that right there? Who's that right there with the glory of God all over you? Who is that? The one that I can't really see quite well, but I can feel it. They're walking around inside the furnace that just killed the four of my top men. He said, get out of there. And it says that they walked out of that furnace. And they didn't smell like smoke. It said they walked out of that furnace. There wasn't a singe on their body. There wasn't one burnt hair on their head. There wasn't a thread of clothes missing. It said they didn't even smell like the thing that they just came through. Church, if we are willing, if we are willing to stop worshiping idols, stop eating from the king's table of this world, there isn't a furnace that's hot enough. There isn't a situation, there isn't a group that you can't be canceled. They were looking at a furnace that killed four of the top soldiers in the country. We worried about what people gonna say about us at the swimming pool, on Facebook, when you drop your kids off from school. Oh, they're not going to, are you crazy? What are you worried about? And after this happened, King Nebuchadnezzar said, we are putting into law that the God of these boys will be recognized as sovereign. He is sovereign. And he said, if anybody speaks against this God, they will be chopped up and their houses will be burned. Put it into law. Why? Because their convictions were stronger than the opinions of those haters. Church, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. If you're going to walk around as a Christian, if you're going to walk around and you want things to change, if you want your family to change, if you want your surrounding area to change, your convictions have to be greater than the opinions of those that are around you. Do you understand me? Your convictions have to be greater than the opinions of those that will come against you. What does that mean? I know who God is. I've seen him work in my life. I know what his word says. Not only do I know the word, but I know who he is for myself. On July 10th, we're coming up on two years, I went through a crazy time. I found out that my best friend in the entire world, living in Haiti, was gone. I found out that my dog that I had raised here and took down to Haiti was murdered. And it's coming on July 10th, it'll be two years since that, that happened. And I can remember the pain. I can remember the anxiousness of searching for them, sending people out to look for them all over Haiti, sending money for people to put gas in their motorcycles, to go search for my friend, to go search for my dog, to find what happened, what happened, what happened. I have vivid images of the texts of my home where my bags are covered in blood. Tragedy. It may not sound crazy to you, but it was hell for me. And in that time, I didn't have to turn to anything else other than God. 
I didn't go chase a bottle. I didn't go chase a drug. Didn't go chase some toxic relationship. I had God. He was there for me. And it's not that, that's not to say that it didn't hurt. That's not to say that those flames weren't real. But it's to say that even in that, choosing not to bow down, choosing not to consume the things of this world, he brought me through. He gave me peace. He gave me a new purpose. I'm preaching on a Sunday morning. I wasn't going to be no preacher before that. <laughs> I didn't want to do this. I'm not saying God did that, but I'm saying he used it. And rather than, rather than pushing me into bondage, he pushed me into something great. And church, if we are willing to not worship those idols, if we are willing to have the convictions that are stronger, that can say, oh, you believe in manifesting things? I believe in the spirit of Jesus. Why? Because I can go to bed at night after I read my word and say a prayer. I don't have to drink anything. I don't have to smoke anything. I don't have to watch anything. And I haven't been through it and I'm good. The convictions that are stronger than opinions will force a reaction and a recognition to the world around you. Just like it did with King Nebuchadnezzar. Their convictions that were stronger than him telling them to worship the idols, it forced a reaction. He put it into law that if anyone speaks against their God, they're out of here and their homes are out of here. We have to develop those convictions. And my last, last point is don't switch up. Everyone say, don't switch up. It says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We sang that song this morning. Jesus said that. We can't switch up. There is a spirit in this world that is trying to attack Christians and get them to water down what they believe. To switch the theology of what this word clearly says. To make it more palatable so we can get more people in these seats. Let me wear cooler Jordans. Let me say you can do those things. Let me say you can sleep around. Let me say you can drink. Let me say weed is grown from the earth, so it must be of God, right? Let me say that... <laughs> Let me say that abortion is freedom. So I can fill my seats up. Don't switch up. You better not switch up. You better believe this word. And when you speak it, you speak the fullness of it. You say it to the fullness. You say the truth. You believe every single word of it, front to back. Don't try to make it palatable. Don't try to make it sound like the food of the king of this world. Don't try to make it look like the idols of this world. You tell the truth. And understand that if they come against you, the God that you serve is with you. And the power that is in you is greater than anything on this earth. Say, okay, come on, come on, come cancel me. Yeah. You want to talk crazy about it, cancel me. Cool. Say I'm ignorant. Say I'm a hateful person. Say I'm this, say I'm that. Say whatever you want. I'm transphobic. That's, a, that's so, such an arrogant thing to call somebody. you putting fear onto somebody. Nobody's scared of y'all. Like, I'm not afraid of you. The power that's in me raised Christ from the grave. The heck am I scared of you wearing a skirt? That, ain't, that doesn't scare me. <laughs> you and that little blouse don't make me nervous. Are you crazy? Jesus loves you. I don't agree with your sin. I'm not going to condone it. I'm not going to make it more palatable. I'm not going to change it. That's sin. That's not okay. God will meet you where you at and bring you straight through it because that's what he does. He delivers. He transforms. He loves. 
I'm not going to come over there and condemn you to hell, but I'm also not going to change what this word says. Call me phobic, phobia. Every phobia. The only thing I have phobia of is arachnophobia. (laughs) Whatever scared of the dark is, that's what I am. (laughs) Scared of nobody, are you crazy? (laughs) Call me phobic. That's an arrogant thing to say, man. You guys be messed up. So (laughs) they finally got the courage to come against Daniel. They said, we know how we're going to do this. So Daniel lived on in the temple. King Nebuchadnezzar's son became the king. And he had a pretty short reign. And he asked Daniel to interpret his dream. And Daniel actually interpreted the death that was to come for him. He told him, you're getting ready to die. And it happened. And so a new king moved in. His name was King Darius. And the wise men from King Darius's court convinced him that nobody for 30 days should worship anybody else but you, King Darius. Nobody else should worship any other gods. They shouldn't pray to anybody else but you. You should be the one that is getting the praise for taking this throne, for leading this country, for doing all these amazing things. And King Darius said, that sounds reasonable. Sure, I'll sign it into law. So, again, the haters knew. Your haters are just people with perverted love for you. They knew what Daniel was going to do. They say, he's going to go up there and he's going to pray. We're going to wait for him. And hearing that decree, hearing and understanding that if he did this, he would be thrown into the den of lions. Daniel woke up, looked around, said, I'm going to live my life the same way I've been living it since I got to this nation that I'm not from. I'm going to continue to live my life and knowing my name. I know who I am. I know what I consume. I don't worship idols. And I don't care what the law of this land says. I'm going to do what God told me to do because I know who I am. And Daniel, like he did every single day, woke up and three times a day he opened his window facing Jerusalem and he got down on his knees and he praised the almighty God. So I'm not worried about that. And as it turns out, they were watching, waiting. So they brought Daniel before the king. He said, he isn't obeying the law. He has to be killed. And Daniel, <laughs> Daniel was close with King Darius. And King Darius said, I don't want to kill him. I know that's wrong. I don't want to do it. This entire portion of the story points to the gospel that was to come. He said, I don't want to kill him. I don't want to do it. I know this man is innocent. I know this man is truly holy. But the wise men said, no, no, no. You put it into law. Remember, we got the scroll right here. You put it into law, you have to go through with it. So he said, I have no choice. So they took Daniel, they threw him into the lion's den, they rolled a stone over the lion's den, and each one of the noble families sealed it with their ring so that they could know that it hadn't been tampered with, that he was in there, so that there was no discrepancies. He got thrown into the lion's den. And as the king walked home, he had that pit in his stomach. He knew he did something wrong. You ever been on your way home and you messed up and you're like, oh, God, I'm about to get that whooping. (laughs) You ever did something, you just got that nasty pit in your stomach? He walked home, he said, I did a bad thing. He said he didn't want to hear any music that night. He didn't want any of his food. He didn't want anybody to be around him. He wept. And it says, as he went to that tomb the next morning, or the lion's den the next morning, sorry, it's a representation. As he went to the lion's den that morning, he called out, he said, Daniel, are you dead? Or did the God that you worship fervently, the God that you denied my food for, the God that you didn't bow down to idols for, the God that you didn't let the pressure of this world make you more palatable for, did he save you? He listened, (laughs) and it says Daniel woke up, and he said, hey, I'm down here. He said, my Lord and Savior, shut the jaws of the lions. We get ready to close. He said, my Lord and Savior, shut the jaw of these lions. (laughs) And it says that 
the stone was rolled away and Daniel was pulled out. And it said that the king turned and he looked at those wise men that tried to frame him and they threw him into the lion's den. And it said before they even touched the ground of the lion's den, they were torn to shreds. (laughs) And I just want to read you what King Darius' decree was after this happened. After this happened, it says, King Darius wrote to all the nations and people of every language in all the earth, may you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders. And in the heavens and on the land of the earth, he has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. And it says, so Daniel prospered during the reign of King Darius the Persian. Church, as we stand to our feet today, as we get ready to close, before we get out of here, I'm going to ask you to come forward, and I want to pray for every one of you. You all can help me as well. But what I want us to do, yeah, you can start making your way up if you want to. But what I want our heart's desire to be today is that just like Daniel, Just like Daniel, just like Shadrach, just like Meshach, just like Abednego, that our convictions in who God is, our convictions of who he is to us will be stronger than any opinion that could come against us. That we will not search and chase after the food of the king of this earth that will lead us into bondage. We will not bow down to the idols when we hear the music and when people come against us and when we get thrown into situations because we remain true to what your word says remind us that you are the God who shuts the mouths of lions you are the God that is with us in the fire and you are the God that gives us wisdom that makes us ten times smarter Church, if we can fill ourselves with the anointing that Daniel had, could you imagine what the world would look like? The world that is hungry for truth, the world that is searching for the real gospel that is only found here. Could you imagine tomorrow if Joe Biden said, I decree that this is the Lord. Put it into law that this God is sovereign. Why? Because no other God can save the way that he has. No other God can make a group of people live in the truth and in the realness and with conviction of that level that understands that you can throw me in the lion's den, throw me to the fire, take away the food of this world, and I will be just fine. I will be okay. No other God can do that. That puts an indictment on us. We have to live that way. And so today as we close, as we get ready to sing this song, I just want us to ask the Holy Spirit to fill us up. Fill us up with the anointing of Daniel. Fill us up with the convictions of heaven that say, I will not be swayed. I will not change this. I won't try to be more palatable, God. I won't chase after the things of this earth. Even if I'm not popular, even if people hate me, even if people call me crazy, even if my kids don't really like me right now, I will put them here. They will know their name. My family will know their name. I will know my name. My name is Daniel. I don't care what this world calls me. I don't care what you try to sway me to. My name is Daniel and I will not be swayed. There is nothing in this world that can change that. There is nothing on this earth that can change that. Make that your heart's prayer today, church. I want to pray for each and every one of you. As we go, I just want to remind you to live right, love everybody, and pray hard. Before you go that way, come this way.
and we're going to lay hands on you. I just want you to walk out of here with that anointing. I want you to walk out of here with that knowing and that knowledge that you have power. The God that you serve will be with you through it all. He's going to be with you in there. The God that you serve shuts the mouths of lions. And the convictions that you hold true, true to, the word of God that you hold true to, can transform a nation. As we pray, as we get out of here, I just want to bless you guys. Thank you for coming to church today. Live right, love everybody, pray hard. I'm going to come around to pray for you. Stay in worship. We're going to worship. We're going to ask God to fill us up. Amen.